Hello and welcome back to another episode of It's All Good Understanding Krishnamurti. Jiddu Krishnamurti makes a point of not telling you out straight what the truth to life is. And the only reason he's doing that is so that you can find out for yourself. So I'm going to start off with a spoiler alert. But I'm not planning on telling you what Dido Krishnamurti is telling you is the truth to life. Because what I'm doing is just secondary literature at best. So Dido Krishnamurti is the Bible. And all I'm telling you is how I understood the Bible for it to change my life. When I was reborn into my new life, everything changed. It is essential to understand that by the time I arrived at Jiddu Krishnamurti, I was completely broken. <laughs> I was a, a wreck of a human being. I was more suicidal than I was anything else. This is one of the reasons why I'm not pissed off with my ex. <laughs> because I'm grateful that he treated me like shit. I'm grateful that he showed me that he was not the person I thought he was. And I'm grateful that he punished me and tortured me and whatever. <laughs> I'm grateful that he did this to me. Because thanks to his maltreatment, one thing became very, very clear. Like, my husband always was this person. He was always this unkind, uh, selfish human being. However, my image of my husband was not that. <laughs> Otherwise, he wouldn't have been my husband. I had built up an image believing in this person, believing in the goodness in this person, believing in the kindness, the gentle nature. If my belief in my ex hadn't been as strong, there's no way I would have stayed in that relationship for so long because if I hadn't had this strong belief, I would have looked at the evidence and I would have seen way, way earlier that our relationship is one-sided. So I spent 10 years with this person and in these 10 years I'd slowly became more and more attached as things got worse actually because I'd devoted so much time in the relationship. I'd devoted so much energy in imagining the future and how we can make things right and how I can fix things and I was so blinded by trying to make it work that I couldn't see my relationship for what it was. As soon as I found out that he was lying to me, that he was manipulating me, my image of this person, of my husband, that completely crumbled. So this world, this imaginary world that I'd been living in for at least 10 years, the children I dreamt up and the hopes and dreams and plans and all these things that I thought are going to come or would be possible, as soon as we can make the relationship work. So my my entire future, my entire past, my entire hopes and dreams, everything were completely decimated. <laughs> they were smashed and smothered to bits. <laughs> so any idea that I had was pretty much gone. Like I could have just pointed my anger at my husband and said, well, he'd been lying to me for 10 years, he'd been leading me on for 10 years, and I could have stayed in this miserable, angry, vindictive state of mind. But I realized that, 
yet it wasn't much fun to be lied to for 10 years but that's not really the point <laughs> like I can't like what am I supposed to do about somebody else's behavior the only thing that I can do is look at my life and find out how was it possible that someone lied to me for 10 years and I realized that this image that I had of the person um by him doing certain things that were similar to me doing things, I thought that we were similar. So in a way, I'd spent my life in a world of illusions. And when that world of illusion broke down, I was like left in this weird state where I couldn't believe what had happened. <laughs> I couldn't believe how my imaginary world just crumbled away from me. I was quite attached to my imaginary world apparently <laughs> but it was just that it was just an imagination nothing was actually lost it was all just within my head I was lucky that that was the prequel to finding Krishnamurti because I'd already lived in a world of illusion that I, I believed in I thought that I was in complete control of my life I thought that I knew what was going on I knew what was going wrong I knew what to fix I knew how to change what needed to be changed and this separation just proved to me that I had absolutely no idea what was going on. <laughs> the funny thing is, like, I did sort of know when I was being lied to. And then it was easier to believe the image that I had of my husband than to see the truth. And as soon as we broke up, whenever I did see him again, suddenly these lies were so obvious and his behavior was obviously a facade. It was just, he was just acting. Anyway, as soon as I saw him after the spell was broken, and he'd behave all pitiful and whatever. I could tell that that was just an act. One of the m most important things that I realized after the relationship, I was trying to make my husband love me. And I was trying to make him love me by making his life better. And this was only a farce. This was only a way to keep me closer to him, to keep me more attached to him, to keep me in close proximity so that I can't get the distance to see the truth. Because as soon as I got the distance, it was sort of easy to see the truth. The truth wasn't pretty, as the truth never is. <laughs> but it's always a relief to actually find out the truth, no matter how ugly or how... One always feels more content as soon as the truth is unveiled. So when I first started listening to Tito Krishnamurti, a few of the concepts were already quite familiar with me, because... Jiddu Krishnamurti is talking about the truth, the universal truth that applies to every human being. So no matter what race, what sexuality, sex, ethnicity, it doesn't make any difference. If you're a living, breathing human being, this truth applies to you. And because this is universal truth, it applies to every human being all the time and always. I used to look for truth in underground hip-hop and a lot of the things that Jiddu Krishnamurti is saying I've already been quite acquainted with through underground hip-hop. One of the first things that uh, Jiddu Krishnamurti said that caught my attention was Jiddu Krishnamurti was talking about a state of mind where you no longer think. I used to overthink, overanalyze, think everything to death and as soon as I went somewhere, I enjoyed myself, then I'd go home and I'd think about what I would have done better or different or 
what I would change and things like that. So I was constantly trapped in my own mind, in my own head. I used to think that I could prepare myself through thinking. I could plan ahead. I could have a quick comeback when someone says something. When Krishnamurti talked about thinking is a material process, that made perfect sense to me because when I think there's a synapse firing in my brain, that leads to a chemical reaction. And that chemical reaction leads to a loss of energy. So if I'm thinking, I'm literally losing energy. So it made sense to me to think, yeah, well, if I'm not thinking, I'll have all this energy left over. That made a lot of sense to me. I still didn't know this was anything to do, any spiritual path or whatsoever. I just thought it was philosophy, which it is. (laughs) I just started listening to Tito Krishnamurti. And I remember that there were a few days I actually disciplined myself to not think. Every time I thought, I'd say, don't think, don't think, don't think. Like, it actually improved my life a bit. I was going through very, very stressful times and not thinking really helped. Like, before, the way that I thought about my thinking, I was so, I glorified thinking. I thought that the only thing that I have in my life that makes me superior to anybody else, well, at least superior to anybody in my family, was my thinking. So to throw my hands up and go, okay, I'm going to stop thinking because it's just got me into trouble my entire life. And that was probably a pretty major step, but I I obviously didn't think of it at the time. (laughs) The reason why I mentioned my relationship to my husband and the reason why I'm so grateful for him treating me like shit is because it fully allowed me to see the nature of my relationship to my husband. And it allowed me to see that I got caught up in an image of him, which I created myself. So the reason I was so attached to this idea is because I thought I made this image, I created this image of this person myself without being pushed, without being manipulated, without being prodded in a certain direction. I created the image of my husband myself. So... No matter what he did, no matter how manipulative, how much he lied, that doesn't make any difference because what more or less kept me in the relationship was me being attached to the image of him, me being attached to the image of us both, me being attached to the image of us having children and becoming happy more or less. This image was not held by me, the human being. Me, the human being, would have looked at life as it is, would have looked at the factual evidence, would have looked at the relationship as it is. This idea, this belief, this image of my husband, that was held by my ego. And my ego made a whole lot of assumptions, (laughs) added a whole lot of additional input to the story. My ego made the assumptions. My ego created the image. And my ego held this belief. And my ego obviously thought it was right. (laughs) But my ego was way, way off. (laughs) So the crux of it wasn't my partner. It was my imagination. And because I'd lived in this imaginary world for 30 plus years. And suddenly I was happy to give it up and say, hang on, this was completely wrong. 
And the reason why this was so helpful in understanding what Jiddu Krishnamurti is saying is because more or less Jiddu Krishnamurti is saying that we are living in a world of illusion and we're living in a world of illusion based on our beliefs, our images, our ideas, our opinions, our experiences, our conditioning, our ego. And we think we live in reality, but all our ideas, our images, they sort of smudge reality. I sort of say it's a bit like a layer cake. If you have a layer cake, the sponge on the bottom is like the stable state of mind. That's the normal human being. As we grow up, as we get older, we slowly add another layer of cream to the layer cake. So we start off with our family ideologies, then our religion, then our culture. Then we start adding our personal opinions and beliefs. Because we're choosing all of these ourselves, or we think we're choosing them all ourselves, like religions and cultures we're obviously born into, but all the other beliefs, we chose them ourselves, so we believe in them, so we believe in these beliefs. But as soon as we can just look at the factual evidence and not our beliefs and not the things that we've been so attached to for our entire life, because we've been living with these ideas most of our lives, Like the ego, we've had that most of our lives. And so it's like a safety net or a safeguard or a protector. It's like this safety net that we've created for ourselves, thinking that we are right. But if you just think of the fact that there's so many million people on this earth and there have been many millions more, everybody would have thought that. (laughs) Every ego thinks it is right. (laughs) My attachment to my husband would have been the the heaviest, heaviest attachment, but luckily that just broke up. The second attachment, I suppose, would have been with the family. I never really had a good relationship with my family. With the attachment, so if if you are married or you have children or... Attachment is not the same as loving someone. If I'm attached to someone, that means I'm trying to hold the person, I'm trying to control the person, I'm trying to... The thing is, it's it's quite simple. If there are two flowers that are growing next to each other and they're living independently, then each flower has its time to flower, to bloom, to grow, to develop. If a flower is attached to another flower, maybe they'll grow together. However, the attached flower is always going to be stunted in growth and the same is true for human beings if i'm attached to my child and i want my child to fulfill the role of whatever however i try to guide or control my child it is far more loving and caring to give my child a little bit of freedom to allow my child to flower and bloom in its own time and the same is true for relationships If I'm in a relationship with someone and I'm attached, it's like a symbiotic um, relationship. Both sides are not complete, are not whole, are not one. But if both flowers are one, are whole, are complete, are detached from each other, then there's nothing standing in the way of their stunning growth. Because if you truly love this person, your child, your wife, your husband, your partner, whomever you are attached to, 
If you truly love them, you will give them the space to develop in whichever way they want to develop because you want to see this flower be whole, be one. You want them to be able to be whole, come rain or shine and not be attached and be able to stand alone. The biggest step then, so after living, pretty much living in the present moment uh, through discipline, which it, it's not nearly the same. It doesn't, it doesn't feel the same at all. It's sort of diving into the method of mindfulness or a calm mind, but it's just a method. You can't, it's, as soon as you understand why you're doing it, as soon as you understand why you want to live this way, then it's no longer a method. Then it's then you fall into your natural way of life. You don't know it's a natural way of life yet, but it is. The next big step from then on was ego death. Because as I was more or less living this state of present moment and holding on to not thinking, thoughts did keep popping up. My ideologies and beliefs were pretty much done. Every now and then there'd be an idea, you know, if I could do good things and good things will happen. That's just an idea. It's just a belief. It doesn't mean that that's actually what happens. It's just an idea. It's a hopeful idea. <laughs> but most of the thoughts that I had were the ego. And then I delved into Dito Krishnamurti talking about ego death. And to me, just with any ideology or belief, I understood my, my ego to be an idea an idea that I created for myself or in part was created for me. Certain things like, are you so clumsy? Something that I heard a lot as a child, but that got incorporated into my ego as well. It's not all superiority. and There are a lot of bad things that are attached to the ego as well. Anyway, I just saw my ego as an idea. So I figured if I lived by this idea for 30 odd years, then I could simply just stop living by that idea. And with the help of the observers, the observed. And my understanding of it was, if I live with the ego, I'm living my life in a third-person narrative. So I'm watching my life as it's happening, narrating what's going on and who is doing this to me and why are you doing this to me and blah, blah, blah. All these kind of things. And then... I started living in the first person perspective. So I'd only experience my life through the eyes of my human eyes. <laughs> so I only experience what I'm seeing. And every situation ends there. I don't need to take any conversation home with me. I don't I just end it right there. To me the ego death it's it's a bit like taking a step back from your very own life and looking at the world, looking at the bigger picture of everything. So I took a step back from my life and I looked, okay, so I'm a human being. <laughs> I'm a human being in this world, in this universe, in this galaxy at this point in time. And I think that I am something, I don't know, superior or better or... I want to accomplish this and that. But there are so many million people in this world. And the world's been around for so long. 
how do I think that as a human being I can do something that is so groundbreaking and would change the world? Like it's not very realistic, isn't it? Like if you look at the big bigger picture. And I thought, yeah, well, if I'm not attached to me, the human being, in this bigger picture of millions and millions of human beings, what is the more reasonable explanation that I am the human being that's going to change the world and change everything? Or is it more likely that I'm the human being that's just a common, normal human being? And that's where everything sort of changed because... As soon as I accepted the fact that there's nothing special about me, there's nothing out of this world or out of the ordinary, I'm just a normal human being. I'm very lucky to be alive. <laughs> First of all, like all the all the events that happen to actually let you live your life and breathe and you know, I've always had a strange affinity towards weeds. I've always had a problem with the fact that People will pull out daisies from their garden because they consider daisies a weed or dandelions because I think they're nice. <laughs> People don't want them there, but it's still a beautiful flower. It's still thriving. It's still a living being. And I sort of see me as a human being. Maybe I'm just like a dandelion, a dandelion that the seeds got blown away in the wind and it landed on a tuft of grass or on a bit of dirt, usually in some extraordinary place, like in the middle of the road or on the top of a tree or whatever. <laughs> Dandelions are awesome. <laughs> um, just got blown there, found a bit of dirt, and now the dandelion is alive and it's thriving and it's got no purpose, it's got no point, it's... Why is it there? There's no reason whatsoever. That doesn't mean that the dandelion isn't beautiful. Just because it doesn't have a purpose doesn't mean that one can't just embrace the beauty of nature and the beauty of thriving. <laughs> so maybe we are just all just dandelions. Maybe our purpose in life is nothing. Maybe our purpose in life is simply thriving and living. And what's cooler than seeing a dandelion that, for some odd reason, has been able to flower and take root in the middle of the road, for instance, or in a crack in the concrete. No matter how tough the conditions no matter how little dirt there is available, no matter how many hoops the dandelion had to jump through, no matter what events led up to this dandelion being alive right then, right there, right now, no matter how dire the conditions, no matter how hard the circumstances, no matter how tough, it doesn't actually matter because all that matters is that despite the circumstances, the dandelion is alive and the dandelion can enjoy its moment in the sun. The dandelion doesn't care that nobody wants it there. The dandelion sees the opportunity to live and it lives. And that's sort of how I saw my life. If I'm 
just a weed, if I'm just here by accident, <laughs> if there's no actual purpose for me being on this world, in this life, I may as well live, and I may as well thrive, and I may as well have fun. And you see, as soon as I dropped all my ideas, my beliefs, my conditioning, as soon as I dropped the ego, and as soon as I could just let go of everything that I thought I was, everything that I thought I could be, everything that I wanted to be, everything I hoped I'd be, and as soon as I could drop all of those ideas of myself, it was like resignation to my egoic pursuits, and it was a giving up from the ego standpoint, but as soon as I gave up, to try and become something, to try and achieve, trying to fit the expectations, fit the mold, try and become a honorable human being. As soon as I stopped trying and I gave up all that stuff, that was the point where all of a sudden, as soon as all of that dropped, the pressure dropped, the expectations dropped, the what I need to do dropped. And suddenly I was left in this world or this life with no expectations, no hopes, no dreams. Because I realized that I am nothing. I don't have to become anything. I don't have to achieve anything. Everything that I have right now is good enough. Everything is fine as it is. Everything is all good. <laughs> No matter how ugly, how poor, no, it doesn't make any difference. If you're perfectly happy with what you have right now, which may not be much, I had absolutely nothing at the time. So there wasn't much that I needed to give up. But as soon as I realized that if I give up my ego, if I surrender to my life, if I surrender to my egoic pursuits, and I allow myself to be nothing, Nothing special, nothing out of the ordinary. I'm just a normal human being. And I don't want anything out of life anymore. This doesn't sound like very much. This doesn't sound like it's a groundbreaking change of your life. But it absolutely is. Because as soon as I dropped all of that, every day I get up and I get to do something. I enjoy doing something. I get the absolute most out of my life. Every interaction that I have with other human beings, like I'm all in every time and everything is so much more fun. There's no such thing as remorse, regrets, all of that's gone, no worrying, no overthinking, no more. It's just living in the present moment and you do everything with your fullest attention. So when I do go skateboarding, I'm actually completely and totally getting the most out of my skateboarding every time. And that's how every day of my life is. I wake up in the morning, I do what I need to do, I work. And as soon as I'm finished with work, I go out into the world and I experience the world and I enjoy the world without any expectations, without goals, without anything. Because as soon as you accept that you are nothing, that you are just stardust, that you are just a moving particle in this world, that you are just the dandelion that found a bit of dirt, the plastic world, the 
big wide world of popular culture they are being told that they are something special they are one in a million and that just keeps the illusion going and that's creating more unhappiness more discontent if i'm a dandelion there's no point in me hoping i would be a rose there's no point me thinking i may become a rose in the future all this trying to become a rose all this tension all this distress or this conflict this conflict with an imaginary world and the real world that stress is not going to help me become a rose is it <laughs> maybe if i can just stop trying to become a rose i try uh, stop trying to be the one in a million the extra special dandelion and if i can just stop that pursuit and i can look at myself and without comparing without measuring without anything i just look at myself and go like huh, being a dandelion is not that bad is it <laughs> a dandelion in itself is beautiful and if the dandelion had never heard of a rose it wouldn't be unhappy so if i am a dandelion i may as well embrace being a dandelion to the fullest i can or enjoy my life as a dandelion <laughs> it is what it is as soon as we see that we are just stardust and we can drop all these tense dramas and conflict and and we see that while a dandelion may be a weed that doesn't mean that the dandelion in itself isn't absolutely beautiful who cares if there are other dandelions in the field <laughs> the only thing that matters is if that dandelion is thriving and it's that it's alive and as soon as you recognize that in your life if you're alive and all that drama that we put on top of that layer cake all those layers and layers of confusion and conflict all that matters is the sponge at the bottom and the sponge at the bottom is alive and breathing and if you're alive and breathing you can drop your ego you can drop all your hopes your ideas your beliefs and you can just simply be without any trying to become trying to improve or whatever everything is fine as it is and as soon as you can just be you can enjoy your moment in the sun and that moment in the sun will last for the rest of your life thank you very much for listening talk to you soon bye bye